Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, January 13th, 2023. And as always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the word Start Here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Just click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please give us a call at 563-999-3581. Once you call that number, if you press 1, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we appreciate when people do that because it tends to make it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention with this work is to be a service and... If you'll let us know how we can be of service to you, it just makes it that much easier. 
If you're listening through the archive and you would like to ask a question or give a testimonial or make a comment, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. You can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n.org. And if we get those from you, we will address those comments or questions on the show. And then this time I'll send you a, a message letting you know what day and time it was discussed. And you can tap into the archives and listen to the response. So here we are on a Friday. We had our support group last night. You know, it comes to me to talk about the support group because this Internet show was literally begun as a way to support people in using this work and starting their own support groups. Michael and Jeannie used to travel eight to ten months of the year, spend one week in each town, and um, and then they'd move on. And people would get all fired up. They'd be introduced to this work, something they'd never seen anything like it before and they have all kinds of excitement and Michael and Jeannie would leave town and there'd be nothing to keep the flame going to fan the flames to nurture and support people and using the tools and it was rare that someone would after just a week's worth of uh, workshops or even one or two workshops and getting introduced to the tool it's rare that someone would start up a support group and so in 2011 when they got the opportunity to be on the internet and talk about these tools and support people in using them they jumped at the opportunity and then they would travel to a town be there for a week and leave but then they could say hey if you got questions if you want to start up a support group and you want to ask questions just call the internet show and we'll answer your questions and help you get maximum benefit from the tools and from having your own support group. So uh, there was even a time when uh, somebody who had a support group going um, was so frequently heard to say, I don't know the answer to that question, but call the, the Internet show or I'll call the Internet show and ask. That um, there was talk of making a T-shirt that just says, I don't know, call the Internet show. So in some of the intros when I when I do this, um, the daily show, I talk about um, I talk about different aspects of the support groups, and one of the reasons that they're so beneficial is because there's this shared energy there's input from other people there's you know we are energetic beings and when we form a sense of community it's not just the sense there's an actual um, energetic exchange that happens and um, sometimes people say well I tried a support group but you know we only got 
one or two people to show up, or we had five or six, or we had eight or ten, but now it's down to just two or three, and so it's not enough to keep the group going. And we would have various conversations about this over the years. And I'm here to tell you, I've heard it from a lot of people, that when we hold the group, we just hold the space. And we say, okay, we will be there on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 to 9. And then we hold the group and hardly anybody shows up. Or only two people show up. Or one person shows up. Or nobody shows up. And over the years, it's been over 18 years now, I think it'll be 19 at the end of the summer, for the one group, the Tuesday group, I've actually had times where I showed up, opened the the room, kept the space going, and nobody showed up. And after 10 or 15 minutes, nobody showed up, I would just start watching one of the Michael Rice videos and or start doing my own worksheets and be there for the, the vast majority of the two and a half hours just in case somebody showed up. And many people over the years have told me some of their most powerful work, some of their most useful interactions happen when there's just one or two people in the group. Or only two or three, or three or four. So that's what happened last night. We just had two people in the group. And I just want to offer this as encouragement for people. If you're thinking of starting a group or you're already starting a group and your attendance is lower than you would like, please understand it's so much more about quality rather than quantity. So we have uh, plenty of time for comments, conversations. It's Friday the 13th for those of you who are into superstition or numerology. I don't know what that means for most people, but we have plenty of time to talk. And if nobody raises a hand, we'll get back into the review of Lesson 35 in the way of mastery. Um, It is calling upon us to step into applying the way of knowing. The book itself, The Way of Knowing, this last book of The Way of Mastery, is titled The Way of Knowing. And what they talk about in this book is that what they mean by knowing is not the ability to recite facts and figures. They're talking about, when they use the term knowing in this book, they're talking about being awake and aware and present in the moment having a direct experience of life that isn't distorted by perceptions that leave us feeling negative emotions and thoughts. That we are awake and aware in the moment and the truth of life acts on us. We are not distorting the truth of life with our 
a very, very active process of perception. So that's the definition for knowing in this work. So if you are knowing and you're letting the truth of life act on you, you're not using your perception, which basically recruits all kinds of information from your past to create a picture and a best guess for you about what's going on in the world around you. And knowing has to do with being awake and aware and alive in the moment rather than busying ourselves creating perceptions, pictures, interpretations, judgments, labels for things. And this work over and over again tries to let us know that judgment is unnecessary and counterproductive. Discernment happens to those who are wide awake and paying attention. The difference between discernment and judgment is discernment means I can tell the difference between things. Judgment means I reach a decision that one is better than another and or one is worse than another. So lesson 35, the segment that we're, section we're starting to review here is called Claiming Sovereign Mastery. And it follows the section we read a couple times yesterday entitled Blessing All Your Creations, which means allowing, accepting, embracing, trusting everything that happens in your life. This section is titled Claiming Sovereign Mastery. And the book reads, Beloved Friends, equals on the path beloved friends in the culmination then of the way of knowing I ask you as your equal and as your brother and as your friend eternally to claim this hour your complete mastery over your domain Claim it, because it's happening anyway. Pay attention. Question all that your culture has taught you about how these things are happening to you, and it's unfair, and it's bad, and it's wrong, and you're a victim. Question that at deeper and deeper levels, and at broader levels of scale, as Guy Finley would call us to. The invitation in this work is for you to claim the truth that your experience of life is created by where you choose to focus your conscious awareness. Guy Finley in his talk last night that we listened to has a phrase he uses. Um, but my, my summary of it is, you have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment. And it's the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment that creates your experience of life. Guy Finley says it more directly. He says, as goes your attention, so comes your experience. What you focus on teaches you about that. What you focus on creates your experience of life in that moment. What you focus on is a choice. Can you choose 
Yes, you're always choosing. Can you be aware that you're choosing? Yes. Will you step into that awareness? Will you step into the questioning of everything you've been taught? That is a big question. That is for each of us to decide. No one can force you to step into that awareness. No one can force you to question everything you've been taught. And yet, that's the invitation from this work. The text goes on and says, Discover what has not been embraced and owned. Within you, within your choice. Discover what you've pushed away. Discover everything that you've judged as bad or wrong. And understand, this this book has a, a lesson, Lesson 9, that's titled, All Events Are Neutral. All events are neutral. So, if all events are neutral, what value is it to you to push away some and grab on to others? Because every event, Guy Finley would tell us, every event brings with it lessons for our lives. And the lessons we most need to learn ride into our lives on the back of events we don't want. He goes on to say that the proportion, the the importance of the lesson on the back of an event I don't want, the importance of that lesson is directly proportional to the degree to which I don't want the event. So the biggest, most important lessons in my life are going to happen by shaking up my world, by forcing me to look at things I don't want to look at, to break out of the habitual patterns that have kept me stuck. And this work, Lesson 35, is inviting us to discover what has not yet been embraced and owned. Text goes on and says, For those things that are dissociated in your psychological language, that which has not been embraced by you imprisons you. Everything you try to push away imprisons you. Everything you grab onto and and don't let it flow through you imprisons you. Embrace it, allow it, open into it, let it flow, trust it. And that's the only way to transcend it. The text goes on and says, There is the doorway to perfect freedom. There is the doorway into what looks like the unknown, except that there's no such thing as the unknown at a different level of scale. For nothing exists until you call it to yourself. In this study, then, of the way of knowing, let its culmination be that as this lesson ends and you come to close to the close of the book, let it be the last act you ever do with a mind that says, you know, I'm still trying to get there. I'm still a victim of the world I see. Close quotes. And when you finish this lesson, let those attitudes be finished entirely. Many of us will have the conscious logical mind that says, boy, I wish I could do that, but you know, I, I can't do that. I've got so much conditioning and I'm but this book says it requires only the willingness to say this in each moment. Quote, this must be what I've called to myself. Do I wish to continue it or would I choose something else? Close quotes. The world you have made is only an illusion. 
Nothing that has been constructed must remain unless you desire it. If you continue the structures of your life, career, relationship, whatever it is, please recognize that you are doing so out of the sheer delight of wanting the experience. And clearly, they're not talking about our conscious logical mind here. We're talking about this higher level of self, this soul, the spirit, the spark of the divine mind that's connected to other beings, that's, that it has the awareness that we are just at play in the kingdom. So my conscious logical mind might be kicking and screaming, but something that has my best interest at heart is keeping me here if I'm still here, wherever that is, related to career, relationship, whatever. It's a choice. Will you be willing that when you close this book in this final chapter, that it's the last time you ever take an action with the mindset that says you're still a victim, that you haven't arrived yet, that you can't connect with Yeshua, that you're separate from God, that you're not a creator. You could make that happen by simply having the willingness to say, well, wherever I am in the middle of a day, in the morning, in the evening, in the bright sunshine, in the dark of night, this must be what I've called to myself. So, do I wish to continue it, or would I choose something else? Close quotes. The text goes on and says, if you prefer, you can let it crumble and start anew. You are free to clear out your bank accounts, to give away all of your material possessions, to sign over your house to somebody else, to give your car keys to somebody, and simply start walking down the road with nothing but the clothes on your back. You're totally free to do that. And if you do, out of the power of your desire, you will attract situations that provide a place to sleep, food to eat, and new experiences and new friends. How, how, how could this book possibly say that? Because our world is full of people who do this. Please pay attention. On a regular basis, if you are flipping through the right channels and news and, or picking up the right magazines, you find people who sell everything and go buy a boat and start to sail. You find people who decide to drop out of their job move to some wilderness spot in Montana or Vermont and start living off the land. It happens every day. This isn't make-believe. The text goes on and says, at no time can anyone be a victim. And yet, at any time, consciousness is free to perceive itself as having been victimized. That is merely the choice to create a form of experience, the victim experience. We might share with you that the victimization is one of the booby prizes chosen pervasively by humanity. It's the victim game. Many are quite committed to seeing how well they can play it out. One could say that the victimization game has affected virtually every mind in the human domain. And yet, you are not a victim. 
If indeed tomorrow your doctor tells you, quote, you have cancer and you have 15 days left to live. I wish I could have, that you would have come in earlier because I could have given you possibly 45 days, close quotes. If that happens to you, you could choose to say, quote, oh, what a rich experience this might be. I have 15 days to go into the death of the body with total consciousness, complete forgiveness, and perfect peace. Wow, what an amazing opportunity I've called to myself. The text points out, cancer is not a failure. There are all kinds of teachings that would say to you, if you're sick, if you're ill, if it's a failure. It's not, this work is telling you it's not a failure. Learning to grow into acceptance of everything in your life is this pathway we're being invited to. Cancer is not a failure. The text goes on and reads, Indeed, we would behold in much of your so-called New Age movement that there is much judgment, much judgment, and much abhorrence about anything that does not look like manifesting wealth, having perfectly curved hips, and a multitude of loving friends, And we're here to tell you that is a naive attitude. But the soul's sovereignty is rich beyond measure. Wherever you are as you read these words, you're living sovereign mastery right now. You just don't know it. You've been conditioned by your world to think that you're a victim. The text reads, you are free to create a new any time you wish. But understand that the experience you are having when embraced and loved and accepted totally as being uncaused by anything out but your awareness, when you can delight in that, you are free. Whatever it is, whether it's cancer, whether it's a, a rash all over your body, whether it's a car accident, you are free. And you've already risen above the you have already risen above and gone far beyond the most successful beings that humanity would say are successful. I keep flashing on thoughts of people like Krishnamurti and Mayor Baba as these great spiritual teachers Mayor Baba went through a period where he decided to not speak, and so he just pointed at letters on a letter board and formed you know, words one letter at a time, and someone would be there to speak it for him. And there are many people who say Mayor Baba was the embodiment of the Christ again. And, um, and yet he had a lot of physical aches and pains. Apparently there was a car accident and his body was damaged in that. So the idea that the healthier you are, the more spiritual you are, or, or the more spiritual you get, the more your body glows and the more health and vibrancy is restored, just doesn't stack up when you study some of the greats. Some of the people that they say are great spiritual beings, they're just people. They're just fellow brothers and sisters, beloved friends, equals. The spark of the divine mind 
is expressing and if it chooses a physical body it's got all the limitations of any other physical body and the new age stuff that says you know you're supposed to be healed you're supposed to be whole you're supposed to be able to heal your cancer and heal this and that for some that might be the path but for others when it isn't to judge yourself look at the word judge all of this text is about recognizing in lesson three it says if you understood what happens even the cells of your body quit functioning when you judge. If you understood this, you would never judge again anything. You wouldn't judge somebody as less spiritual because they've got a physical ache or pain. You wouldn't judge them as failing because they can't heal their COVID response or they can't view COVID as a, an energy upgrade. You stop judging when you recognize how it's counterproductive to the flow of energy and life and the constriction of your experience of life. The text goes on and says, Do not then be succumbed to the shimmering lights of the world, the great tinsel on the tree, because all that matters is this, quote, Am I at peace? Do I bring love to each moment? Do I accept with great humor that all I have experienced has been my own design, an interesting game, and perhaps even a joke I played on myself, close quotes. Look upon the world and say, quote, there is nothing I need here, but I choose to be here to see who I can love, how I can love, and what enjoyment I can create, close quotes. The text goes on. Peace, then, is always the goal of a spiritual journey, the peace that passes all understanding. For if you've listened well to what I've shared with you in this lesson, 95% of it seems like mere gibberish to the world that would say, quote, that can't be that way, close quotes. Well, it turns out the world is upside down. This stuff, turns the world upside down, rips it inside out, and makes it valueless. But it makes you of value. It places you at the right hand of creation. This is what you were birthed for. This is where you remain. For love, capital L, love, awaits your welcome. So I greet you, dear and beloved friends, as my equal. I greet you as sovereign masters, co-creators, perfect, divine expressions of creativity, ceaselessly creating all that you would choose to experience. I never lament the pain that you experience. I never feel sorry for your suffering. I merely wait in love, capital L, love, for the truth of your being and I offer you assistance when you are willing to grow to heal to forgive to expand and to enlighten your being I will be there to assist you great freedom can come when in the midst of something that you feel to be great suffering you choose to laugh and say quote look at this one what an amazing script I've written here I ought to win the Oscar who could have done this better than I? Close quotes. 
And rest assured, you're speaking to one who had some experience at writing a number of interesting scripts of suffering. Beloved friends, look lovingly upon the world you have created. Look with perfect forgiveness now, right now, upon the simplicity of your physical domain. For the life of the body-mind arises and passes away in a few cosmic seconds. You can delight in sensory experience. You can delight in the cruel beauty of time without ever believing that it should be different than it is. It is merely shadow. It is merely a disguise that you have laid upon a mysterious energy. For you, indeed, have birthed the physical realm itself. You might as well relax and enjoy it. The next section is titled, Behaving as a Master. The text reads, In each and every one of your days, live and behave as a master lives and behaves. When first you realize that you are awake in the physical domain in the morning, choose love. Choose to relax the body-mind into a state of deep prayer and give thanks to your creator. Prayer in the ancient Aramaic, one of the best ways to interpret it is to say it means to set a trap for the creator, set a trap for God, set a set your frequency tuner to the frequency of love. Let yourself vibrate with loving, compassionate, grateful energy. The text goes on and says, hold in the mind's eye all of your domain. Think about your relationships, your careers, your physical objects, and say, quote, behold, it's been a lot of fun. And then simply ask, I wonder if there's anything I might like to move toward changing in order to experience even greater joy, even deeper peace, even more certain wisdom and a more loving relationship. And then if something comes to mind, do not blame it, do not judge it. But simply begin to wonder about how you might like to see it changed. Hold that as a desire in the depth of your consciousness. If its energy builds during the course of the day, simply begin to say it. Write it out. Get a picture of it and hold the desire in your heart. Do this and you will indeed bring it to pass. For you see, manifestation occurs simultaneously in the field of a mind that is no longer conflicted with opposite kinds of thoughts. There's that biblical passage that says, Let thine eye be single and thy body will be filled with light. Focus your attention. Hold no conflicting thoughts. Hold no conflicting emotions or traumatic energies. Remove those. Focus on what you want and you will become an instantaneous creator. And if you hold thought of something and you're straining and you're thinking, I really want this, this is all I want, and you think you're holding it in the purity of your heart and it doesn't happen, 
Start looking for what you're rejecting. Start looking for the conflicting thoughts. Start looking for what you've pushed away of your life. Start looking for the judgments and let them go. The text goes on and says, For you see, manifestation occurs instantaneously in the field of a mind that is no longer conflicted with opposite thoughts. So if anything seems to be manifesting slowly for you, first of all, it simply may be that that manifesting slowly is part of the script you've written so that you experience the struggle or the tension or the relationships that will develop as you have to struggle to try and achieve what you want. It might just be the journey your higher self has decided to take. The text says, remember, a walk from one village to the next allows a much deeper experience than taking a taxi. It may also be because you have some conflicted belief in your mind and therefore in the cells of your body that is not in alignment with what you say you wish to desire. For instance, often the human will say, quote, I desire a perfect loving relationship, close quotes. But deep in the quiet of the mind, here's the thought, quote, except I don't really deserve it. I'm quite unlovable, close quotes. When that has been repressed or dissociated, it will run you and will conflict or take away from you the power to create or to attract the desire. Therefore, when you desire, look well and watch the subtle, with subtle vigilance, watch the contrary thoughts that also seem to come up in the mind. And then follow those contrary thoughts so that they become crystal clear you may even discover where they began feel whatever feelings may be associated with them and then return to what you desire until you feel that in all of your being and your whole being is in perfect alignment with it for then you begin to create yourself as a resonating station to which those things will be called that will help you align your external world in the physical domain to express the desire you've created. One who, for instance, creates a lifestyle of financial independence after 20 or 30 years from one perspective, that person has accomplished a great goal. From another perspective, they've taken a very long, slow way to get there. Some people reach financial independence and wealth and abundance financially overnight, seemingly overnight. The text goes on. Everyone is free to create what he or she desires. Everyone is free to do so because they're doing it now. Look well, then, to the feeling and the thought coursing through you. Look well to the physical environment in which you find yourself. Look well to the objects that you have surrounded yourself with and simply say, quote, all of these things demonstrate to me what I have chosen to desire 
and it is very good. It is what it is. I accept it without judgment. The statement of love and acceptance is the doorway to expansion of your mastery. For in truth, as the master awakens to what they've been doing all along, the most natural thing in the world is to create greater joy. This is the opposite of what most of us will do. We'll recognize, oh my gosh, this is all my fault that I don't have any money, that I'm broke again, that I'm in another bad relationship, that I can't seem to break out of this job, that I can't make enough money to support myself, that my mother has cancer. Oh my gosh, how horrible, what a horrible creator I've been. And yet the master, which means the perpetually avid student, that's our definition for a master, awakens and realizes that they've been creating this all along and they think, wow, if I've been doing this all along, I have tremendous powers of creativity. Let me manifest even greater joy. The master realizes the contradiction in beating his or herself up, him or herself up, because they haven't yet created what they desire. They decide proactively in the moment to create anew something, anything that will create greater joy, greater understanding, greater compassion, greater aliveness, greater connection with life itself. The last segment here is titled, Service is the Greatest Source of Joy. And the text reads, And the highest level of joy is to manifest service to the atonement. That is why perhaps one gives up a job in a corporation to go and start to make videos that can help get a good message out into the world. That's why someone ceases to work at a doctor's office and becomes a messenger for Yeshua. That's why someone drops what they're doing in a corporate career and becomes a minister. Because within them, the soul has said, quote, All right, enough of that experience. I want greater joy. And the pathway to greater joy is to join with like minds that are creating and extending contexts in which other minds can awaken, close quotes. This is why many of you have been attracted to Shanti Cristo, to join together, to use your golden coins, to use your voice, to use your lips, to use your hands, to use your feet, to help participate in the creation of contexts in which the atonement can occur. Service, then, is the natural outflow of a heart filled with the gratitude of grace, Masters are never found struggling to survive in something they do not like. They would frankly rather sit on a street corner asking a passerby for a nickel just to get a cup of coffee. Meanwhile, they're too busy smiling and waving and blessing everyone that walks by because they would rather extend love than to look good in the world. A master has no choice but to serve but to serve not from duty, but from joy, the joy that comes from serving. For the greatest joy can be 
only can be to extend the good, the holy, and the beautiful. Therefore, when you choose active participation in serving the atonement, you will discover that you will indeed be well supported. And all of the events that occur are merely opportunities to deepen your capacity for wisdom, for peace, and for love, and to create within yourself a conduit for the extension of greater love into the world. Not because you must, but because you've chosen to serve. Not because of a sense of duty, but because of the joy it brings. If then you resist service, you, it must mean that there is some seed thought within you that is in conflict with the desire to serve. For once you've achieved mastery, there's nothing else to do but serve. So indeed, beloved friends, we come then very gently and by way of summation to the culmination of the way of knowing. The truth is, you have been a master all along. You cannot help but be one, for you are constantly creating your experience. You're free now to create differently. How to do that? Well, do not get up out of your chair and rush about. But why not decide right now to experience happiness? To experience peace? And to experience the knowledge that you already are a master? How do you do that? By simply choosing to. Simply decide right now for the next 30 seconds to be happy. And then choose in another 30 seconds to be at peace. And then 30 seconds to simply and quietly look around you and say, Behold, I am indeed the master of my domain. All of this has been very, very good. All of this is just as it is. And I have called it to myself. And I accept it. And I embrace it. And I trust it. And I allow it. And then I ask, would I prefer to leave this this way and continue to do this or choose anew to create in a different way? You might extend gratitude to the chair that you're sitting in for coming into your domain. Thank the vase and the flowers on your table. Thank the electricity bill that comes in the mail. Thank all things as blessings that come to you. For to fail to do this contracts your power to continue to expand and to create what you enjoy. To believe that you are in lack at any time is to create a lack in your tomorrows. Therefore, choose now to feel perfect abundance and joy and then behave as one who brings and knows that they live in abundance. I extend love to you. I know you extend love to me. This communication will never cease. Why? Because I have no intention of withdrawing myself from extending the Christ mind to anyone who will receive it. We are indeed joined in that perfect place of love. Caution. Creation is merely a harmless game. It's done for the simple enjoyment of creating. 
So become then as a little child, for every master is a little child, delighting in the great mystery and the seeming surprises of discovering the power that can move through them. Always move toward what you enjoy. Always follow your heart. Do not follow the reactive ego which says, quote, Oh no, I don't want to go there because it feels uncomfortable, close quotes. Nothing is uncomfortable. It is just another opportunity to have an experience to broaden your capacity to love. How can I say that? Try the crucifixion. It was not uncomfortable once I embraced it. This is why, by the way, and some of you have done this, why human beings can walk on fire and not burn their feet. Why? Because they choose to do so and have a good experience. And everything in them is unconflicted for at least the minute or so it takes to do the firewalk. That gives them a taste of what is possible always. Use then your time to cultivate the garden of a healed mind. Never believe that you do not hold the power to change the energy you feel in your emotional body, to change the thoughts held within the mind. For you are free to birth whatever you so desire. And nothing can serve as a limit to you. You are free. You are home. You are as I am. Peace then be unto you always, precious, precious friends. Amen. That is the completion of our review of Lesson 35. And we have some time for comments, questions, answers, poems, soliloquies, songs, favorite book suggestions, 563-999-3581. You call that number and press 1. We'll entertain your call and turn on your microphone and have a conversation. We've got about 8 or 9 minutes left. How does it land with you? How are you accepting the invitations? What in you wants to fight against this, that, or the other thing? We had this come up in the last past couple of support groups where people were talking about, you know, this just seems wrong. This just goes against everything I've been trained. It seems like I'm already doing it. I'm not getting the good results. And that can't be right, that we accept everything that goes on. Look at this horrible thing. And one of the responses that's come to my mind several times over the past few weeks is, yes, this goes exactly against everything your culture has taught you and most everything you've ever believed about what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. It goes against all of that to say all events are neutral. And yet, the bottom line observation that's at the top of the list says, if whatever I'm doing isn't working, I should feel free to try something else. This is at least a very different approach to living life. So if nothing else, it may not be right. It may not 
yield good results, but at least if I try it on, if I do it for a while, I'll be breaking the pattern of what I've done for decades that has such intense momentum and has been producing such negative responses and emotions and constrictions and contractions in my life. Mary code 760, is this Anne? Yes. Uh, thank you. I think I'm getting a hold of this. I appreciate hearing the review today. I'm, I'm sitting at a car dealer and waiting for my car to get serviced, and it's a paint protection thing, so it's going to take a couple hours, but I knew I'd be able to listen because of when my appointment was to you. And so... I was munching on lunch and just focused because I'm not in my house. There's um, hardly any distractions sitting here in the lounge area. So um, I came outside clearly so that I wouldn't be heard um, since there was other stuff going on. But, um, okay, so I've had this cough headache ever since I've had the gift of the virus back at the end of July, and it started couple weeks probably after and my daughter found a description of it by Mayo Clinic okay great all right now it tells me everything I'm already having happen and I'm in physical therapy and I'm doing all these outward things to help which isn't stopping it and then I go but I keep listening to this whole thing of okay I can change what I'm experiencing and every time, you know, the cough would happen and, and the pain would go to my head, I was just yelling at God and saying, oh, you know, or I was yelling at Satan and, you know, doing, saying the scripture, whatever. And finally, listening quietly today and taking it in, I go, I can do this. So just even yesterday, I realized I didn't yell quite as loud. <laughs> when the cough and the, the pain came, and I go, all right, I'm doing outward things, but I can work more on the inward thing. And there is more joy. When I look at this differently and I look at it as a gift, the whole demeanor of my body changes. So I'm just really grateful. Again, thank you, along with Susan and Linda and Magda, so we're in this group, so I appreciate you um, choosing to review this one more time. It was amazing. So I'm looking forward to going forward um, of having that attitude um, to choose differently in more things. So, so I'm looking at this whole thing as a gift because it's an opportunity for me to um, trust Go back to that trusting thing. It's just another event. I think that was one of the words that you were using Monday. Anyway, well, so I, I appreciate the call and the comments, and it puts me in mind of uh, Dr. Michael Rice likes to talk about from the ancient Aramaic, the word Satan uh, basically means the resistor, one who misleads. And um. if you apply that in, in, in conjunction with this work, it says... Um, you know, one one of the quotes from Yeshua in, in the biblical scriptures is, 
um, resist not evil. And um, yeah, yeah. So, so so you judge it as evil. Well, there's the word judge, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're not supposed to be judging unless we want to feel the pain, the the disruption in our cellular body, the constriction, the contraction. Unless we want to pull ourselves out of the flow of life, we don't want to judge because that's what happens when we judge. It's so disruptive to our energy system. <clears throat> it creates such a distortion of our perception that this work says, if you understood what happens when you judge, you would never judge yeah. again. So what's Satan? Yeah. Satan is the resistor, one who misleads. <laughs> what is it to resist something? Why would I resist something? Because I've judged it as bad or wrong. Right. <laughs> So yeah. if I have an illness and I start coughing and I say, oh, this darn cough, and I don't like it, rather than just breathing and softening and experiencing what the body is doing in this moment to try and you know smooth out its energies or function differently, if I take that approach, I'm not resisting. I'm not creating the mm-hmm. satanic response, right? Alan Hoffman told us that in the the ancient Aramaic word, the word satan means to slide, to fall, to cut off. This is why they talk Mm. about body divided against itself. Well, here I am, I'm in a body, and it's, it's going through this physical response of coughing or hacking or whatever because it's trying to even out its energies, and I resist that and say this is bad or wrong. But it's my body doing what my body's doing. So I'm creating suffering rather than moving into allowance and the flow of the experience of life. So that's what came I think that's what connected more... Today was because of the, that whole phrase when you were talking about judgment and how it gets into the cells. And it's like, okay, yeah. But thanks for the, all of that addition to that because it helps me to get at a different level of this whole thing. Well, And I can um, see what I, I've already said about it, like you just said, about the, when I've yelled out, okay, then I'm just making it worse when I could have changed what I said, which I'm starting to do, like even today. And it's like, okay, that makes a whole difference in the body. Okay. Good. Well, I appreciate the call. I'm glad you're feeling better, and I hope it continues for you and that this works. I will mute you so you can listen in. Thank you for the call. Blessings. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Yeah, I hope you have a good weekend. Same here. Blessings. Thanks. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Friday, and it's January the 13th, and it's the year 2023. Our call-in number is 563-999-3581 and press 1. Here to talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. If you go to the website, um, you can, if you go over 
to, I'm trying to click at the same time, to whyagain.org, and then over under, come on, my computer's slow, under Heartland, there's the Heartland Maintenance Fund. A couple other things that are new under healing, if you go down to healing from the ground up and homegrown park, we've now added an article that Michael wrote about is there hope for the pollinators. And so you can go and read that. There's lots of new things. I'm just putting them out, different pages. So, you know, go out and scan around, see what's going on out there, and let me know if there's a link that doesn't work. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, dear heart. Welcome, everybody. Delighted that you're here. One more time, we get to move forward in this understanding of first century Aramaic forgiveness. And I had an interesting conversation with someone on Facebook today who was uh, asking a question about, well, is there a creator? And it seemed like the commitment was, because the conversation actually went back and forth several times, the commitment was to prove that there was no such uh, entity or what have you in existence. And so the first thought that I wrote back to them and I just thought I'd share this conversation with you was, did an incomprehensible quanta of light, cosmic particles, and electronic electron energy crash into a junkyard and accidentally come out as an operational 747 and life? Ludicrous. The entity behind it all? Can an ant conceive of the loves, the brilliance, the challenges, the works and creations of just one creature, John Doe? Surely you jest. I suspect that. Though we are designed by the creator, comprehend and function within this massive space-time flow of life as the created essence of love itself, we've been so focused on our unconsciously driven, unresolved generational wounds, fears, hates, and loves, quote-unquote loves, our ill-conceived desires, that even the greatest among us have been stunted into perception through a glass darkly. Pea brains compromised and dulled down beyond comprehension. And we attempt to empty the ocean with a teaspoon. That stunted brain, unknowingly being a card-carrying member of the one world religion of denial and blame, degrades itself as it rails against its favorite target self, thinking it's railing against life. For its thousandth episode of self-imposed purity, the ignorant once again cries out from its self-deception and self-folly. They make me so mad. And through that level of hollow understanding and shallowness opines about the creator. The actual intelligence behind it all smiles knowingly at the non-human that is, one who is void of love, and their childish mental constructs, 
and holds the space of love for our arrival. We step up to the plate, give up our busyness and addiction to bread and circuses, and actually do the work Yeshua prescribed, we will perhaps begin to earn the right to answer the question, creator, question mark. But until we liberate ourselves, the diabolically brilliant and self-deceptive pea brains that interpret everything through dark filters of fear and hostility, when we do the work which the departing disciples and the majority of non-humans ever since have said too hard a saying, we will claim the true mind created for us and finally take our place in the quote-unquote kingdom of heaven properly translated from the Aramaic as the community of love. Then authentic human life, not just the often disastrous activities of educated, quote-unquote, educated human forms without active human life in them, then human life begins. And then ensued several questions about, well, how do you know? How do you know? It's like, what? If you're still doing a life based in hostility or fear, you're not even qualified to ask the question because the mind is so dulled. And then this gentleman wanted to share with me an experience that he'd had many years ago, like 20-some years ago. And in that experience... He was instructed, he was lost, going somewhere and very frustrated and upset. And all of a sudden, heard, literally, he's driving, heard a voice as though someone was sitting in the front seat of the car with him that basically told him to simply be still as he raged about the fact that somebody gave him incorrect directions. And then, several times, it was was kind of cool the way he shared it with me, several times this voice, as he would go into frustration over he didn't have correct directions, again reminded him to simply be still. And all of a sudden he found himself being guided and went directly to the place that he had incorrect directions for. And it was like, well, there's your answer. Be still. And yet the, the, the mind of man, that mind that comes from carbon-based memory and its unresolved generational dynamics, has a hubris to think it can make up an accurate story about what's going on. When the real answer lies in being able to collapse that mind, being able to drop that mind into a state of silence so that we're available to a voice much greater than our own. And as we listen to that voice, we have the opportunity to function out of it and to hear its direction. And so, in essence, 
when one steps into using the tool of forgiveness, basically the mind shuts up, shuts down the place where the noise happens, and we get the opportunity to be guided by a mind that's much greater than our own. In the ancient teachings, that mind was called the mind of Christ and, and specifically spoken of as being in you. And that mind is available inside of each and every one of us. And if we can stop, if we can collapse the perceptual constructs of the mind based on our own unresolved, unconscious, generational dynamics, then we become available to that still small voice and get to live in a different world. And that's the objective of this amazing tool of forgiveness that we've been talking about for the last 11 years. And we're delighted that you're part of the conversation, Ms. Jeannie. Do you have any thoughts to add to that particular conversation? No, not really. Um, no. Can't think of anything. Well, then, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? Chat room is still messed up. Um, You're kidding. So I've written to him. No, I've written to him several times. It's just really weird. It's like you sign into it and then it kicks you off. And so I don't know if it's doing viewers that way. So if you're out there listening, um, it shows like that there is there are viewers as well as speakers on the chat room. But the only person I see is me, and every now and then it will say you're disconnected from the chat room, and it just goes away. So, but we do hmm. have two hands up, and they came up at the exact well, same time. Well, then let's say hello to our callers. <laughs> All awesome. right. The first one is 610. I believe it's Susan. You're on the air. Oh, hi. Okay, two people. Well, hey so there, young lady. Welcome. Hey. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for all you're doing. Okay, this is just a teeny weeny little testimonial. It won't take Jeannie, long. we can hear you typing. Can you mute, please, sweetie? Oh, yes. Apologies. Okay. Excuse me. <laughs> the the multitasking genius caught at work. Yeah, she's on it all the time. I know. She's amazing, Jeannie. You're just amazing. So I had been practicing the gentle art of blessing with wonderful, wonderful Results mainly just feeling as if it doesn't, you don't have to try to do anything. You can still have your lousy, rotten, judging, nasty thoughts, but you just <laughs> say, Oh my God, look at that thought. And you just don't do anything with it. You just say, That is, that is not a thought I want to have. So I've been practicing that, but I had a serious challenge a couple of days ago and I talked to Dr. Tim on the radio show yesterday. And man, that right. guy, he just put me right on the track. Because he's that kind of a guy. He, he is that kind of a guy. So, what happened is, and it's just a little realization that if I am not feeling good about something, then I am in victim mode and I am blaming. And you talk about that's the world's religion. Well, it is. It's just so pervasive, I'm finding, in the subtlest ways. So, um, and he said a cool, cool thing. I was complaining about, I was complaining about the fact that I think our Michael ought to be doing this, that, and the other. Well, 
he isn't doing this, that, and the other. And so I'm thinking, well, then maybe he shouldn't be here. And I'm having all these thoughts and not feeling good and feeling angry. And it just went, I went through my whole repertory of lousy and blaming. And I told Dr. Tim what was happening, just a few examples. And he said, you know, you could tell that story to five people and you'd get a lot of sympathy and you'd get a lot of corroboration. And where would you be? Is that really where you want to go? And he nailed it. Yes, I could, you know, you can set up the story so you look like the good guy and the other one looks like the bad guy, which there isn't any lasting, loving truth in any of that. So I had to get to work. And the worksheets have been very helpful. But, you know, you've probably find this, found this to be true, too, that the worksheets, you can sort of fast track it. Uh, I, I've been using Jeannie's little one on the uh, iPhone and printing them out and looking at them and coming to my goals over and over and over again. And then I was reading The Gentle Art of Blessing today, and all he said was that got me is, just do it. Just bless from the deepest part of your heart. And I thought, how could, how could I get in there? And then I thought, that is my intention. That's all of our intentions. All of us really want that. And we get sidetracked and tempted by other things. But I think the deepest part of the heart isn't necessarily a feeling at all. It's just a profound orientation or intention or something. And then you start doing it and you're back on your track again. And as soon as that happens, everything changes. You just fa- you just faded out. We just just lost your voice, Susan. You must be out walking or moving around, are you? Right here with the bottom of the phone, right up against the phone. Now you're back. We haven't done anything. No, you're kicking. You're kicking in and out. You're. You're. I can't understand your words. Maybe try, uh, Susan, maybe try hanging up and dialing back in again. It sounds like the connection's just gotten kind of wonky. We'll hold on until you, uh, you dial back in. I can, I can tell you're trying to speak, Susan. If you can understand me, I can't understand you. Let's try hanging up and dialing back in, Susan. And she's also the switchboard, so she'll probably dial right back in. Okay, give her a second to get back again. It's kind of strange. It was like her signal just faded like she was out in the mountains or something. Yeah. Okay, I see her back on there, so I'm going to turn on her microphone. Okay. Uh, she didn't raise her hand, but... Susan, are you Let's back? Let's see if we've got you back. Are you with us, Susan? I've got her microphone on, but I don't hear anything. 
No. Hmm. That's weird. Like she was driving when for a week signal area. She says, she sent me a text and says, I'm back. Um, and she's talking. Well, if you can hear us, Susan, hmm. we cannot hear you at all. I've got your microphone on, but we're not hearing you. She said, I'll hang up and listen to the other caller. Okay. Our apologies. Yeah. Okay, so the next, yeah. The next caller is 541, and then we do have a third hand up. 541, you're on the air. I believe this is Celinda. Hey, Celinda, how are you, young lady? Well, I wonder if we've got a problem with the uh, with the yeah. sound system. That's really crazy. Let me try the third caller and see if we have any luck there. I think this one is Joe, eight six four. You're on the air. Well, I heard a voice. This is me. Oh, hey, hey young got man. You. Hey, <laughs> hey, what are you, what are you guys doing? What, what is this? Is this some? What is this? Did did you announce Tech- me? Technology I'd like to challenge guest day. Announcement. Okay, here is our special guest star for today's show, Joe Bryson. (laughs) Hey, young man, welcome. Uh, Outstanding. Thank you so much. I uh, just wanted to uh, actually, the the lady that we just lost, uh, I would uh, wholeheartedly uh, endorse what she was saying in terms of how... um, my insecurities uh, will move like lightning for one thing, move like lightning and, and, you know, find myself in some kind of headspace that there's only, there's a lot of different answers. One is a worksheet, you know, and or one is the uh, software on the phone, which is nice, you know, um, but the, uh, the issue of taking the time is really the, is really the difficult thing for me to say, you know, you need to make space. You need to slow down and do this. The old drug uh, busyness. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's a big distraction. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's a very wonderful drug. I mean, I certainly enjoy it, but um, (laughs) it it screws up the clarity, and uh, that connection gets just like that phone call. You know, you find yourself in the mountains somewhere some type of terrain that is not uh, not what I what I have asked for or desire, you know, just so anyway. Um, well, probably that, if just, there is you know, a, if there's a challenge with the world, I think it's that we're all getting exactly what we ask for. We're just not in touch with our asker. We think our asker's in our head and it's not. It's in our heart. It's the energetic dynamics of the, the energetic patterns that we hold on to that really set up what comes to us. And then, of course, life is delivery, packaging. <laughs> and will tend to show us everything that we need to deal with. Mm. 
Amen to that. It, it is, is a, a fascinating experience to see the block, recognize the block, and then, you know, do the work to remove the block. And, it, and it's, again, uh, finding some type of blockage or dam, for lack of a better word. You know, there's a, oh, what's this? I, who, who built this dam here? I, I, this water's not flowing properly. Right. And I need to open up the open the valve and just return to the flow. Um, that's that's the most exciting part. Or and then, you know, again, I might be getting caught up in the whole. You know, if something has to be exciting, I think peaceful is a better word. Maybe it's just to to remain connected to to understand that. Okay, I'm human. Core of the process. Do, do the work. Yeah, yeah. Do the forgiveness and and move forward. But it's certainly not. You know, what's interesting to me is how much it. And I, it's probably the biggest thing with you, Michael, is just your day in, day out. You know, it's it's so. You have been singing the same song. Certainly, it may have different. Uh, lyrics or a melody but it's it's just <laughs> it's it true doesn't seem to, it doesn't yeah i mean it's just it's just it's what was the song that never ends <laughs> <laughs> wow there's work to be done <laughs> it just goes on and on my friend <laughs> <laughs> strike up the band he's rolling there you go there you go there is work to be done for each and every one of us. I have a wonderful weekend. My daughter's coming in this evening. Uh, Sweet. 33 years old. Just got yeah married uh, September 1st last year. And uh, it's going to spend the whole weekend. We'll be together. And tomorrow we'll have a luncheon at my place. My dad and my, uh, my sister, my brother, and their kids. And we're going to do the chicken chase where I'll let one of the chickens out, you know, out of the coop and whoever, whoever catches the chicken wins a very valuable prize. Okay. That'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you ever tried to catch a chicken? It's impossible. I have never tried to catch a chicken. There you go. I'm just saying, you got to open up your horizons, Mike, you know, you got to try new things, brother. We we did watch a uh, a session of America's Got Talent where there was a guy who was an awesome had an awesome voice and the job was that of a chicken catcher and he and his fellow workers had talked about how they would catch seventy thousand chickens a night. Wow! Yeah, we have a <laughs> we have a, their a, own. a town here. Yeah, we have a town called Roebuck, and there's wild chickens there. And if you can catch them, you can keep them. But you can, you can really? hear them throughout the town. It's, yeah, roosters and chickens, and they have their own little, I guess, you know, culture, society. Only, only in North Carolina, right? South Carolina, yeah. Please. South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to insult in South Carolina. Home of the free and the brave, that's right. There you go. That's right. Cool. Yep. Amen. Awesome. That's all I had. All right, my friend. I'm busy. What's the most important piece of work you've uh, you've broken through with recently? 
I would I would share that the the two by two the the idea of two by two and Noah's Ark the the notion and um, the lesson of you want to you want to uh, Joe if you want to leap and bound then an intimate relationship or a intimate friendship however you want to you know that really it's a it's just amazing how um, opening to vulnerability and the willingness to share and try to explain. That's the other thing I find fascinating is trying to explain specifically if we're just going to say you're, you know, something, the worksheet, trying to explain that worksheet to somebody who doesn't or hasn't seen it, doesn't know anything about it is really, really helpful for me. Not so much them. I mean, if it resonates with them, that's that's theirs. But for me to teach, to share that, um, you know, whatever it may be, the insecurity that I may feel about something or, you know, where am I on this relationship in terms of the timeline or the busyness? I don't know. I don't know how to explain it sometimes. But just two by two. I, I really, I'm really... Uh, really I, I I've had so many people say to me oh you need to spend some time alone and I, I you know what yeah okay but to me if I want to that that works too but it just doesn't work as as effectively as the willingness to be open and and vulnerable with someone else so definitely being in relationship opens the spaces for yeah all kinds of things to surface and and yeah. create the motivation and the willingness too. Mhm. Yeah. And that and that the definition of what is surfacing is just be open to whatever that may be. And because to to understand what that is is a bit of a challenge because you know, it could be your father's father's problem or some issue or you know, it's like I can never forget years ago you said confusion is good. You know, be confused, you know, and sit with it. So that's very important that's part of the offering. healing process for sure. All right, my friend. Yeah. Appreciate you. Outstanding genie. Try to behave and uh, do your best with Michael. Thank you. <laughs> you there? She's All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. She keeps me on track. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. All right. I'm going to try Celinda's uh, phone, her microphone again, and then we do have another hand up. Um, okay. Susan actually sent me a text and said that the last time when she hung up and tried to dial back in, it wouldn't even let her back in. So there are definitely issues going on with blog talk. But issues let's talk going to on with blog talk. Again. Yeah. Okay. Celinda, can you hear us this time? Yes, I can, and I could hear awesome. you last time, but I was but I was mute challenged. <laughs> ah. ah, okay. Well, I, I it gave it gave Susan an opportunity when we couldn't get her through and we couldn't get you through, but then Joe came through. She said, "Huh?" She said, "That just must not want women to talk today." Oh, was that, was that what, all of our issues, right? All of our yeah. issues. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. Um, I wanted to. Uh, this is for you and Joe. 
because you wanted to know how to catch a chicken. <laughs> and I'm sure 17,000 in one night with him and his cohorts must be pretty spectacular. But this is a very short story. I'll say it as shortly as I can. That when I was on Kauai, I decided, and I was homesteading on an acre and a half, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go down to the egg um, farm and just buy the chickens they're culling. So I bought a whole 30 of leghorns, right? And I brought them home. And, of course, they'd been in cages their whole life. So for about three or four days, they all stood in a circle in my pasture and wouldn't move. Just a circle, everyone facing outward. And then the next day I looked out and they were totally gone, totally gone. So I realized soon, I, I couldn't figure out, didn't know anything about chickens and having to have a place for them to roost and stuff like that. And so I went looking for eggs and I could never find any eggs. And then eventually I found about 30 or 40. So what happened was I realized this is, this project is not working at all. And there happened to be a Filipino ham family next door and I knew they could use those chickens. And I said, Hey, if you could catch the chickens, because I haven't been successful at all, um, the, Henry, the father, I said, then you can have them. And because I'd paid a dollar a piece for them. So the, uh, he said, okay, I'll send my boys over right now. Well, his boys were anything from about four years old to about eight. And these boys right. come over and I said, you're kidding. Boys are going to catch these chickens. And each one of them had a gun sack. And so they, one of the boys started chasing the chickens and the other boys stood very quietly with their gunny sacks and when a chicken would run by them they would reach out and grab it and throw it in the sack and they had those chickens 30 chickens cleaned up in about mm, 10 minutes <laughs> so i okay. thought i'd share that with you so they got their chickens and I got my pasture back, and it all worked out, but that's my story. I also want to thank Susan for all she shared with you and with um, you and Jeannie and with Dr. Tim, because I, as I had mentioned to you before, I feel like Susan, Magda, Anne, and I are kind of leapfrogging on each other, and not that the other callers in is just that the four of us seem to be kind of a four musketeers here at the moment. And so I really appreciate her saying that she kind of had a breakthrough with the worksheet when she started using the five um, step mental form, because I've been having a real problem with the worksheets um, because I seem it, uh, I seem to jump myself into my figure it out brain and I seem to get very confused with my figure ground uh, difficulty I have and so I tried it last night it works wonderfully I add thought emotion and behavior to the goal um, you know as I add them in in separate little places for myself. But I just wanted to tell you how well that works. And I certainly am enjoying, have enjoyed the way of mastery with Dr. Tim and everybody who is listening. And I just want to share with you that also for Joe and the intimate relationships, yeah, really, that is my crucible. 
that is the place where I do my most significant work. <laughs> Definitely and, uh, the place where it happens. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, just that kind of crucible that we put ourselves in in relationship and how we always have a choice. We have a choice for love from like where you were saying, and I really appreciate, Michael, that you said choice comes from the heart, not the head. And the head is just basically figuring it out. But it's the heart that reaches out and chooses to live from the Christ mind. It's the heart that chooses out to embrace and accept and allow each other and ourselves. And um, I love that thought that, uh, about heart math being have the heart energy vibrations being, I don't know, multi-times more, uh, having more power than the head does. And I also love the chakra system where the heart becomes the middle centering chakra between the head and the body or the unconscious and the conscious. And all of these things are just kind of flowing together for me. So as it says in the way of mastery, I am learning to dance to the jig with my Satan within (laughs) and stop throwing it out there. And uh, pretty soon I'll be laughing and, and hooting and hollering and say, you know, I really don't think I want to do this jig anymore. So Get finished with the drama and drama. <laughs> I know it, and I, it'll come up in a heartbeat. I mean, I yes. can go from being at peace, and I will check in with my thoughts, Michael and Jeannie, and what will show up is like these incredibly bizarre, ugly dramas and traumas, and to catch them right when they come in the door and saying, oh, wrong door. <laughs> Like catching chickens. Like catching chickens. We put them in our gunny sacks. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. So that's cool. what I have to share. And I am just so grateful for all of Susan sharing, all of Marcus sharing, all of Am sharing, my sharing, and yours, Jeannie's and Tim's, and every other caller. And thank you so much. All right, young lady. Appreciate you. Blessing. Okay. All right. Lots of love. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. We have another hand up. And it is area code 703. You're on the air. Who do we have? Hi. You're speaking to Vicki. How are you guys doing? We're rocking. How about you, Vicki? Hello. It's Friday, so doing good. <laughs> awesome. Um, my question is, I am presently looking for new employment. Um, do you see any new opportunities coming my way? <laughs> well, Vicki, we used to be part of uh, a different system on blog talk where the woman who ran the, uh, the the show did kind of psychic readings but that's not a direction that we go in at these days this is our, our work here now is more focused on 
the first century Aramaic idea of forgiveness, of you know, getting ourselves oh, okay. out of the way and waking up to the truth of who we are. So we don't kind of okay. get into that psychic thing, but we'll hold the space for opportunities for you for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right, young lady. All right. Blessings. Take care. Thank you. Okay, Miss Susan got back on, and she said she can hear us, so let's try her one more time. Hello, Susan. Hi. Can you hear anything? Hey, loud and clear. Crystal clear. Oh, good. Good. You're back. Good, good. Well, um, I had finished what I was going to say, although you probably didn't hear it all, and I don't know where it all got fouled up and everything. But my takeaway is just do it and you'll find i should speak for myself i find that i i step right into peace and joy as soon as my intention is cleaned up and there's a nasty delight in getting in being right or getting some kind of revenge whatever that might be i i, I am a real sucker for that but that's it leaves me feeling badly and this is a much better way to go so i just want to stay on this side of the tracks and i'll i'll stand there with you okay and that that led me to a question because michael you are a very powerful facebook spokesperson about the messes we are in in this country and there's a lot of intensity behind what you say and your reporting is amazing uh, uh extensive you know critiques or evaluations or whatever it is i trust that you are able to do this without going to the wrong side of the tracks i wouldn't be able to say one reason i don't comment on facebook is because i'm not cleaned up enough to be able to be a clear passer on or of information. And I just wanted to ask you, it's sort of like the movies you watch. You watch movies with really tough, villainous people in them because you want the opportunity to grow. I stay away from those things because I don't want all those nice opportunities. Too many already in my life. <laughs> so... I just wanted to ask you how you how you um how you manage how you, what what ego state or how are you when you're writing your stuff for Facebook? Well, you know, one of the things I I make a lot of I don't bring it into the show uh the political aspect of what's going on in the world but i do post a lot as you've noticed and acknowledged about that appears to be about politics but for me it's not about politics it's about the fact Mm -hmm. that i have five granddaughters and i want to see a world that's safe for them to grow in and there are multiple issues that in order for your grandchildren and my grandchildren to grow to adulthood and have grandchildren of their own are going to be need to be addressed in order for us yeah. to still be around on the planet. Right. So for me, it's not a political commentary at all. It's simply 
keeping in front of people the awareness. You know, the, 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 the last few years politically has really, I think, in a lot of minds, normalized and given permission for all kinds of rage and, and grievance politics. Right. And I think that if we allow ourselves, and that's why my reminders in so many arenas are, this isn't normal. And we need to wake up yeah. and take action, and the action we need to take is action based in love and do the work around it. Yeah. So if there's an mm-hmm. issue that goes on that arouses some form of hostility or fear for me, before I start doing the, the, you know, the analysis of it, before I start doing research on it to find the facts, I'll do the work so that I can approach whatever research I'm doing from a connected space of love to be able to see through the, you know, the, the brainwash, the control dynamics, the hypnotic dynamics that the world tends to impose on people. So for me, it's right. a pretty neutral state. I do uh, on, a, on occasion still come up with a, a layer and a level of frustration about why are we still doing this? But that's just my yeah. next piece of work to do. But I yeah. want to keep the conversation going about mm-hmm. it's wake-up time, folks. It's wake-up time. And we need to yeah. really address these things rather than normalize them. I agree totally. So my question is, is it fair to say that if you post something from your neutral, loving, wide-visioned space and you get some angry feedback, does that mean you are missing the mark as a communicator? Or for me, if I figure if I stir up hostility in other people, I have failed to present the issues in a, in a loving way. I have failed somewhere along the line of communicating lovingly. I'm not sure that's true. I'm just wondering, and I, I pull back from doing it partly because of that. Well, you know, there is, and you've heard me talk about it before, the, uh, the test that the Course in Miracles offers for determining where you are in your work, and that is, you mm-hmm. know, can you focus on speak about an issue and maintain perfect peace. And pretty much when I post, I'm in a state of a pretty peaceful state. Uh, There is that second level of test, which I have not exactly mastered yet, where it says when someone else thinks of you, do they share your perfect peace? Mm -hmm. And I acknowledge that sometimes because I'm pretty in people's faces about the dynamics going on in the world that I don't pass that test and I continuously use it. I I interact and, you know, probably over the last few years, I've maybe disconnected, you know, uh, blocked four or five people who have responded, but responded with, illogical, irrational, you know, I'm just going to fight about this and there's no intelligent conversation. It's like, well, you know, I'm delighted to stay connected if we're going to have an intelligent conversation. But if all you want to do is 
post, you know, silliness and present it as fact, then I, I don't have an interest in talking with you. But other than four or five mm-hmm. people in the last three or four years, that's uh, that's been the extent of, you know, blocking anyone because it's just nonsensical conversation. Right. But I think these well, things need when, to be spoken about, and they're kept hidden to a great degree. They're may again, yeah. they're normalized, and we've got to stop normalizing, you know, the oceans of plastic that are rolling around in, in the ocean. Yeah. We've got to stop that's pretending that stuff's true. normal for the survival of our children and, and their children. I read an interesting article about what um, the presidency of Donald Trump did, and he's, I think it was David Brooks, I like him a lot, he said, we are brought to have more permission to be angry with one another or impolite or destructive or whatever it is. But the fact that we are doing that means that that has been revealed. Trump didn't do that. He just took a cover off of something that was already infected. And I think he's probably right. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I I think that uh, if we recognize that he and many others have shown us our own darkest underbelly Mm -hmm. and will do the work that's uncovered by that to return Mm -hmm. to love, then he's one of the greatest gifts the world has ever seen. I know he's given me many opportunities to learn forgiveness. (laughs) Right. Me too. And I do agree with you that Boy, well, if it was there, let's have a look at it. But on the other hand... And that's... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, that's the, the space from which we watch movies or TV series that right. are not always oriented toward kindness. You know, there are several... Right historical series that we've watched and and just the mass insanity insensitivity mm-hmm. and abuse that's gone on on the planet is just something that we all need to face we all need to you know the, the, that saying i forget who said it that those who refuse to deal with history are bound to repeat it and right. so to be able to bring those things up and and bring them up in the context of real life today in the real world mm-hmm. gives us an opportunity to move through and heal those things. And we have to do our work just so intensely and constantly in order to really be in the space of holding a loving space, not just putting on a mask. And usually we can smell the difference between you know, somebody who's fawning or in, or someone who is genuinely from a place of deeply balanced, centered, loving space is operating. And I think a, a danger for me is to sort of arrive at my enlightened before, enlightenment before I've gotten there and to, like Fenelon, keep track of the dark stuff, keep a good hard eye on it, and... Don't try to gloss it over and pretend it isn't there, but bring it all to consciousness and present it and somehow hope the good guys win. 
and watch what you do with your breath as you do it. Yep. You know, there was a there was time back, I'm not even sure now, several months ago where you and I had a conversation and we ended up in kind of a meditation of really paying attention to where the tightness was in our structures. Mm-hmm. And that day, that conversation you and I had has been a flagship for me, has been a, it was kind of a new space of comprehending that and personally being able to pay attention to my own physiology and to recognize that if I'm looking at something that appears to be in the world, but my breath is stopping, I'm locking something up in me, then first and foremost, I have work to do in that arena. And that's that conversation we had has been sort of a a beacon for me that keeps reminding me to look at where is my own breath, where is my own physiology. That's great. That's good for all of us to hear that. I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember at the time you said, oh, I'm I'm resonating. There's work for me to do too or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so just paying attention where attention is physically, physically. You know, we mm-hmm. can kid ourselves. Oh, there's nothing going on here for me. But if I'm not, yeah. if I'm locking down my breath, or you know, there's a big knot in my my knee or my you know calf muscle or what have you, I better right. start paying attention because that's energy moving in my physiology. That's my work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, joining you in doing thing. that work. The Facebook thing, I don't suppose there's ever any way that a person can, I mean, Jesus inspired animosity when he did certain things. I'm sure when he healed the woman, not healed her, but kept her from being stoned to death, the Pharisees probably were pretty mad at him and wanted to find another way to get get him. So I don't know if you if you put stuff out there, even from your loving space, whether you're gonna always open minded, loving, receiving soul on the other end. And you say in some cases you had to block people. In other cases maybe there's been a trigger that's done some good. You just can't know, can you? You're doing the best you can and you're doing all you can and that's all you need to be I'm talking to myself. All you need to Hold be the space of, and follow guidance. Yeah. Okay. Well, Michael, I do have this itch, this rash. It's getting better. But it's been a very good teacher. So my I've gotten been your attention. It. Yeah, it's got my attention, and I am a very fidgety, itchy person, and it's sort of come to the surface now. And I am doing your cleanse, by the way. I'm doing the gentle version, not taking five pills and you know whatever it is after the fourth day right. or whatever. Doing it, and it's going fine. I haven't noticed any. 20-foot-long snakes coming out from my nether regions, 
but I keep looking. <laughs> but anyway, um, being being aware of being an itchy person has been extremely helpful because when I'm itchy, I'm not breathing. So oh, that's an interesting dynamic to notice. Yeah, I'm in a hurry. Got to get somewhere. Got to do something. Got to escape something. Anything but the present. Hmm. So what would it take to bring yourself into the present as the presence of love with this motivation to hurry? What would that look like? Can can you imagine yourself doing that? I don't even know how to compute that question, Michael. Can you reword? Well, I guess the the mechanism, if you're finding yourself in this, you know, race to keep ahead of whatever's chasing you and avoid it, would be to cancel the goal. And I don't know what the goal would be. Maybe it would be the goal to be safe or the goal to be one step ahead, to cancel that and just stop and breathe and be right here, right in this moment. Great. And what would that feel like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The images are coming. That's good. Okay. I am running as fast as I can away from a riding crop wielding mother. Mm. And I could move fast. Boy, I could move. We'd go, my sister and I would fly upstairs, dive into bed, roll up in our blankets in a ball. So I guess I'll have to spend some time with that one. The idea of stopping on the stairs, turning and facing my mother. And Mm. I think she would have loved it if we had. I think she would have loved it if we were. Loved it if we had stopped and turned and looked at her. Hmm. That might be an interesting meditation to do. Yeah. And communicate with her about what's going on with her, that she's that intense toward you as a child. I think she would have felt a lot less lonely if we had looked at her and talk to her. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. That's a wonderful meditation. Thanks. Of course, it's hard to, uh, as a child especially, to face someone who's a giant compared to you with a riding crop in their hand ready to inflict pain. Well, at the time, I could never have done it, but now I can do it. I really think I can. Yeah. It might open some very interesting dialogue. Mm. Breathing with you.
looking at her face, actually, in my mind's eye. She was so lonely. Man, oh man, she was desperate. We didn't have any tools. She didn't and we didn't. So the violence was her only way to cope. Yeah. Well, perhaps you remember the uh, this session that um, Magda did in the codependence intensive with her, I believe it was her great-grandfather. I remember it. Perhaps creating that kind of interaction with mom, you may be able to bring her some solace. And in so doing, quiet that part of your own mind that's still uh, trying to escape that intense reaction. Mm. I would I would love to do that. Thanks. Well, we hold the space for mom to be able to pour her heart out. I to think empty she her mind. To, I think she wanted to when I was a teenager. She saw me in terrible distress at one point and came and was sitting by the bed wanting me to talk with her and offering her commiseration and understanding and I have told you this, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't let her in. You blew it off. But I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry I didn't miss the opportunity. It wasn't time yet. That's it. I hear you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, my... Uh, challenge as a kid was was my father and uh i can remember being a teenager and and you know the space he approached me from that different space and and i kind of had the same response you're talking about it's like too late i'm i'm gone and i i lament that as well say the last thing again michael you what i lament Having done that oh, yeah. with, with my father, oh yeah. Instead of be, having the awareness to be able to just be there with him, yeah. You know, I would have been. Oh, let's see. Probably seventeen. That's and, just the um, age. I was just like, you know, I'm. I'm gone. I'm. I'm not interested. You know, you you weren't there. You've never come forward with that and uh, I've got other fish to fry. I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. I'd never thought right. of that before. It's... Too busy. Yeah. That drug. Mm. So I'll breathe with you and join with you in, uh, in each of us perhaps doing another layer and another level of work with our uh, with the uh, abusive parent energy. Great. Thanks, Michael. Very helpful. All right, dear heart. Well, we're down. The show's going to cut us off any second, so we'll just say thank you, thank you, thank you, and blessings. Mm -hmm.